welcome to Missouri Loves Company. I'm Brock Wilbur. I'm Vivian Kane. And joining us tonight? Kelly Jacobson. Yes. Yes. Just say the name. It's less awkward. I love being awkward. I know. You're making it awkward by saying the word awkward ten times. Stop awkward explaining to me what's happening. Okay. We can all just be ourselves in our awkwardness tonight. I think it's okay. I don't know what that is. You don't know what your own awkwardness <laughs> is? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm learning. Hi, this is Missouri Loves Comedy. <laughs> uh, and so we found somebody that took the exact same life path that we just took uh, just a few years earlier. Uh, Kelly moved here from the East Coast from, did you say Vermont? I did. Well, I should say I lived, I grew up in Topeka. So I've had several um, sojourns away from the Midwest, but I've always come back. So I lived in D.C. for a while and worked there and then came back and then I went to grad school in Vermont and thought what did you I studied study? environmental policy um, and I thought really hard about staying there after but I just was called back to the Midwest and I've been um, in Kansas City for almost three years um, but the bulk of my life has been in Topeka which is like an hour uh, west of here. And we found each other because uh, I was tweeting some political stuff and some Ladybird yeah. stuff, and you were like, "I'm a feminist, also Ladybird fan lover." Uh, also in it, the Midwest, in the in the neighborhood, and I was like, "Well, here we are, friendship begun." Those are the basic traits of my personality. Yeah. <laughs> but you, Midwest politics. You, you, did, you did this thing before everyone said that that's what we had to do, which is that the liberals have to leave their coastal meccas and come back to the places that matter. Otherwise, we'll never ever win an election again. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as you can see from that electoral map that Donald Trump loves to hand out to everyone that comes to visit him. Uh, and so you're here... Do, does anyone really love to visit him? I feel like there is a population of people still buying, like, MAGA hats and Pepe right. pins that are, like, dying. Really, and also Ted Nugent. A lot of people really do love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the Pepe creator has sued them. Can't stop the trolling. Yeah, can't stop, won't just stop. Yeah. Right. <laughs> He's, he's made a real effort, and I, I really hope that I was like, everything you love turns on you at yeah. some point, all right? And, and I really hope that an, a, a cartoon fuck frog uh, will be the thing that you lose next. Like, you just can't have anything for that yeah. long. He'll always have, like, Ted Nugent and Sarah Palin and the NRA to visit him at the White House, and that will feel important to him. Ted Nugent was always so funny for me because when he became, I, my family's from the Michigan area, and when he became a conservative radio show host up there, he started telling hunters and stuff to buckle their seatbelts, okay. <laughs> and like automobile deaths went down, went down like 3,000% that year because people were like, Ted Nugent says this isn't like a pussy move yeah. to do no more, I can wear a seatbelt, and it was like... The, the, I should have known, like, I, I haven't thought about it in, in decades, but it's like, oh, that's the beginning of toxic masculinity. Sure. It's like, I need Ted Nugent to tell me not to kill myself here in this here automobile. I actually, it's so funny that you say that because I think it was two weeks ago, I was talking to someone who does communications for the Kansas Department of Transportation, and her big campaign is Click It or Ticket. Um, and she said that their, like, target demographic is, like, 20 to 30 year old dudes who drive pickup trucks because they just refuse to wear their seatbelts. So I think we need Ted Nugent to come here and save our people because that is... Ted, if you're listening, we we need you, but we we want you just for one specific thing and nothing else. That's funny because that that slogan is on like billboards and and, like the electronic billboards in in LA too. But I guess they just love like catchy rhymes. (laughs) 
in in California. Yeah. It's not actually in pursuit of anything. <laughs> well, no, they just don't care about Ted Nugent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would it'd be probably a great boon for them if they could get him to like record a robocall or something, but I, I think we're hopeless. <laughs> I'm pretty sure also there are about a million people that could do a solid Ted Nugent impression. True. <laughs> True. <laughs> I thankfully cannot think of what his voice sounds yeah, like me, right yeah, now. Yeah, me neither. So. But I, but I, so I wouldn't yeah. know if someone called and was like, I'm, I'm Ted Nugent. It could they be, could you take could it. call me and yeah. tell me. Yeah, I'm Ted Nugent. Okay. Did we actually just record yeah. it? Yeah. I think that's it. Uh, anyone that wants to use that can. Just do a Patton Oswalt doing Tom Waits and you're fine. <laughs> sure. Like Southern, Southern Tom Waits? Southern Tom Waits. Yeah. Is he Southern? Is Ted Nugent Southern? Southern is Tom Waits. I don't know. No one knows. Is, any voice. Any voice is, is fine. Is anybody Southern? I don't know. Heath Ledger. Does the South even exist? Heath Ledger is from the Southern Hemisphere? Or? Well, this got dark. Yeah. Oh, no. R.I.P. You have to say it. Yeah. But I, anyway, I did come to... To, I did leave the Midwest. You're so much better at podcasts than we are at podcasts. I'm so sorry. Thank you for auto-correcting my Heath Ledger aside. We were talking about you moving here and somehow talked about Ted Nugent impressions sure. done by Heath It's a natural, natural run. But to return to the original question, um, I think I had the opposite experience where no one was telling me to come back here because I have worked in democratic politics since I turned 18 and... I've, that means I've worked on a lot of losing campaigns in the Midwest. <laughs> and oh so after every campaign loss, there's like this moment where I have to decide, am I going to hop on another campaign here? Am I going to like leave politics forever? Or, I'm go- or am I going to move somewhere where I could possibly win an election? And people, right. w- people would tell me constantly, like, just move to California or move to D.C. That's the main one I get is just like move to D.C. Um, But I thought it was really important to stay here because I had seen after all of those campaign losses the exodus of people. And then it made it so much harder the next time we had to staff a campaign because we were short people because we didn't have a good bench of staff to learn the skills and like keep infiltrating the next cycle and the next cycle so we I think we were just kind of constantly behind the eight ball so I just decided I was going to like hone my skills and only focus on politics here and now I work like more across the country but I'm still based in the midwest how do you hire people to come work on like a guaranteed loss (laughs) well you don't pitch it that way (laughs) to start um I mean I think It's definitely just about finding people who are passionate about the cause. And Mm -hmm. every campaign that I started on, it wasn't a guarantee. I didn't think it was a guaranteed loss. You know, maybe I'm delusional at times, but um, I worked on the um, 2014 gubernatorial race. I worked for Paul Davis, who was running against Sam Brownback, and we almost beat him, which sounds dumb to say now because... We obviously No, that was a crazy It race. was crazy. And I mean we obviously didn't win and the next you know, we had four more years of Brownback, but I think that race, even though we weren't successful in the moment, we set a tone that was able to shift the legislature the next election cycle, mm-hmm. pick up more House and Senate seats, um, and then ultimately they were able to like really fight back on some bad policies this year. Um, For people outside of Kansas, Brownback, we mentioned him uh, last week at length, but he is uh, He's basically the guy that put this Ayn Randian uh, tax policy in uh, to test uh, Kansas with it. 
uh, and for years it has just decimated the state, and it's actually the tax, po tax policy the Republicans are pushing through now. Maybe passing but as we speak. Passing yeah. as we speak, and Brownback yeah. has just been poached by the Trump administration to be their new like world police guy <laughs> for Christian rights. Mm -hmm. So he's just going to go to other countries and be like, uh, "Finally, someone's looking out." Yeah, such a per persecuted population. Yeah. But the tricky—I mean, the interesting thing is that Brownback—he got this appointment. I could go on for Brown on Brownback for like on so so many different levels, but the. The last thing you said about his appointment is that was he was nominated to that in the summer, I think, and he still hasn't been confirmed, but he's not actively governing the state of Kansas. He has basically like deputized his lieutenant governor to do everything, I think, in an attempt to make that lieutenant governor seem more attractive as a potential candidate. He's already been doing the job for yeah. so long. Just let him but have But really, it. we have like two governors neither of them are particularly good at their job right now and and brownback historically does not fly home from dc yeah. to meet with uh, constituents like yeah ever. he's <laughs> i just i think he's just basically spending taxpayer dollars right now to get a salary after he burned a bunch of taxpayer dollars over the last seven to eight years with a crappy tax plan like He's just misguided in every way. This is genuinely the what's the matter with yeah. Kansas thing where it's like everyone you talk to who is a Republican here is like, I can't believe the government's wasting all of our money. Mm -hmm. And you're like, it's happening here. It isn't Hillary Clinton on a yeah. plane. It's this asshole who isn't doing his job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the other interesting thing about Brownback is when I was working on the 14 election, we would see time and time again in polling and just in interactions with people that people in Kansas don't dislike Sam Brownback. They like him as a person. They understand that his popu that his policies are damaging their lives and destructing the state. But they still just like, like, really want to go bowling. He's cool. Like, he's, yeah. he's so religious and nice. Ask Ron. Yeah, and I think... So religious and nice. Yeah, so that's why they, they voted for him because even though they knew he couldn't do the job, they just thought he was like a nice person, which... And they didn't want to hurt him. Yeah, it's the ultimate Midwest curse. Like, we're just too nice. We couldn't vote somebody out that was killing our state. Yeah. It's depressing, but... 2018 could be a, a change yeah. across the country. Yeah. But. Well, I mean, just going back to what Brock asked you about, like, you know, backing guaranteed losses, <laughs> which it's, that's the worst way to possibly So depressing. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's really, it's heartening to see now that, like, with this, with the last round of elections and what just happened in Alabama, like, if everyone like you had left the places that they're from, I think we'd be in a much different place right now. Like, just because you are, you know, considered the opposition, like, it's easier, yeah, to move to somewhere where the bubble also contains you as someone that came from California. I, I mean, it did get frustrating before we left. Uh, after, like, post-Trump's election, it got frustrating to not be able to really feel like we were making a... I don't know. There, there was something frustrating in not being the opposition because it's not... I was about to say it was that we couldn't make a change, but we could have. Like, That's a really fair we, point. We could have volunteered with so many different places. There are things we still could have done in California. You're talking about, I, like, a weird variation on, like, survivor's guilt somehow. Well, I had, I had never felt like being surrounded by people that agreed with me was, uh, was frustrating at all. I'd never felt that my entire life. Uh, and 
Because there is something, I mean, I don't know. When Obama was president, like, no one was telling Republicans to move to California. Like, yeah. that's not something that we've ever, that I've ever heard before. And I do love living somewhere. I love living in a, in what seems to be a progressive neighborhood, like a blue neighborhood, a blue house in a blue neighborhood in a red state that also This is my favorite children's book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just teaching kids the yeah. colors. I'm blue. The important too. colors. <laughs> exactly. Um, we just teach yeah. children blue. blue. blue and That's blue the future yeah. Democrats. Yeah. There's also red, red is, is bad. We don't That's talk my about book. red. Yeah. But, so I don't know. I spent my entire life uh, not thinking it was a, a liability or a detraction from my like my power as a voter or consumer or any way that I like exerted that power. Like I never thought that being surrounded by like-minded people was was in the negative column. Uh, but now I'm like now I'm starting to live through like the other side of that, and it's it's just I'm very glad that like very glad that everyone like you didn't move to where I was living before, and the fact that like you stayed and we're moving to places like this, and a lot of people just seem to have a lot of these things up in the air and are you know changing their mindsets and changing their locations. It's just it's on the most basic level, it's very it's very frustrating to realize that your vote is completely diluted by people that agree with you well but also there is something powerful in being part of like a giant liberal hub uh it's looked down upon by a lot of the people in power now like they think that they don't have to care about those coastal elites but you know what i am proud to i was proud to be part of the force that made up coastal elitism like i was proud to add my voice to that majority especially once it was opposition to like the rest of the country and i absolutely know what you're saying or other in, parts of the in country, the terms of like of you know that your state isn't gonna fuck up and do the dumb weird backwards thing of making gays illegal or something and you're well, like uh, no we did that yeah, for then, quite a while yeah. 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 california was actually pretty late yeah. to that game yeah. and so there, I mean, there were smaller fight. Not that, not that, like no. marriage equality was a smaller fight, but just that, like, there were other, there were fights within this liberal hub. Yeah. Uh, but but over what, like, that's the thing that you're talking about. Is like, it's nice to be part of the horde when the horde is overwhelmingly doing the right thing, and then you get to say later, like, we're not the ones fucking it yeah. up, and I get that too. <laughs> yeah. I think it it makes you. I think the phrase like work uh, smarter, not harder, is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something that anybody that works in Midwest politics or um, or red states anywhere, they're not only in the Midwest, but I think we are constantly having to be confronted with that idea because we are always going to be short-staffed. We are always going to have less money than a campaign in Virginia or California um, or even even places like Wisconsin, you know, like these big hubs of like other liberal populations. We're always going to be behind the curve there. But we're literally where the Koch brothers right, live. Yeah. There's kind of an uphill battle yes. here starting from that. Point. Yeah, but we can get them on other grounds. And so I think it, it forces you to work more creatively. It is easier to motivate your base when you're in the opposition, whether or not that's good or bad for the you know outcome of the country or state. But we're seeing that now um, with all of the marches and activism in the Trump administration, like it, it's harder to motivate people when you're trying to turn things out for things that are good. If you're in the opposition, your base is angry and they're ready to go. So, um, you know, we have really active volunteers and base in that way. 
Not to always throw this back to the podcast that we love, but John Lovett had a great end-of-year speech uh, this week. Our, our podcast is just an uh, full-length ad. Hire for us. Media. Us I'd like to media. tag along on that if they're, if yeah. they're hungering. Oh. Brock, Brock we, so my really quick sidebar, uh, my family celebrates Christmas early okay. because we, we unironically call it Festivus. It started when I was in high school and we just liked vacationing when other people weren't vacationing. Do you know Festivus but, I do, yeah. Yeah, but then, but then it became uh, like a really uh, practical move once like my, my parents got divorced and my brother married a woman whose parents are divorced and like suddenly there are just it's a holiday of like scheduling conflicts yeah or you or you have to choose so like for since i was a kid my family has celebrated christmas festivus on the sunday before christmas so so we just got back yesterday from visiting my family for our we write down the listing of the grievances we all throw them into a fire well on 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 seinfeld festivus had the airing of grievances but my mom thinks that's too negative so we write them down and we burn them in a fire that my brother builds in our driveway maybe it's because we best. all write your brother on our list of grievances we love him so much we love him so much is that legal to have a fire in your driveway sure maybe. i don't know yeah, sure. i don't know san francisco uh, is a liberal okay. hellscape there are no rules <laughs> Um, but, uh, oh, I was, why were we talking about that? Oh, because Brock, uh, Brock got us tickets to, uh, Positive America and Love It or Leave It in Denver, which is a, what, six, eight hour drive from here? Which we know they're just going to announce Kansas City dates right after this, but we're very excited to go finally see them live. I have tickets for the band Murder by Death at the Stanley Hotel, like on New Year's. That's the hotel from The Shining. I bought those tickets and then realized... There's no fucking way I'm getting up to the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, like, in, at that point like, of the year. Oh, yeah. Like, it's yeah. just January. snowing down. Yeah. <laughs> I am very hopeful that they're going to announce Pod Save America shows in Kansas City now that they have Jason Kander in the Crooked mm-hmm. Media Network. I feel like they have to come here now, or else they would just be abandoning his state. Um, right? But I think that is one of the disappointing things about living in Kansas City is a lot of things like that don't come here. Like we get fairly decent concerts and shows, but like more smaller things and pot, like definitely no live podcasts come here. I did just see just My see, Favorite Murder, but yeah. yeah. I, yeah. You were there? We were there. I was shocked that they came here. You, you murderinos yeah. are just... They had to add a second know, show and we waited in line for like an hour wrapped I, around the were block. Were you at the I 10 o'clock? We were okay, at the I was at the show, early yeah. show and I saw the people wrapped around the block for the yeah. later show yeah. and I said, I'm glad I'm not one of you. <laughs> I, I did stand up with them in LA so I, okay. I got tickets for the two of us uh, but that didn't let us go to the well, also, Karen asked, like, do you want to go to the early show or the late show? And that was, I'll never forgive myself. It was the worst decision I've ever made to go to the late show. The, my life has been pretty easy, if that's the worst yeah, that, decision I've ever made. But I see that. Well, great decision. It was a really cold, long yeah. line. We went for late show because we were like, after the show, we'll all go to we'll a bar out. together. And then all the bars are closed yep. on yeah, Sunday also, night. Also, <laughs> I'm an old now, and I was very tired. It anyway, was so cold that <laughs> night that my friends and I, when we left the Midland, we had to, like, just scoot to a another bar to like warm up and then to another oh, no. bar before we could ultimately oh, no. get to the what car. Yeah, because we just couldn't bear to do it all at once. Right. But that was Everything was closed for us, so we were just like knocking on the door at uh, oh, Draft, House. Draft House to wait for our lift. Which tonight... This is not a... Tonight at the grocery store, <laughs> yeah. uh, the guy checking me out was like, 
Alamo Draft House, their ice machine broke. And I was like, why are you fucking what telling me this? Why are we even talking? And he's like, because they just came in. This is not a grocery store in the same neighborhood as the Draft House. Not even are close. Are you talking he's about like, the Draft House? Or did he just share nope, that? Nope, just check oh. it out. And he was like, you're a tall-handed man. Yeah. You must uh, like going to the Draft House. <laughs> Let's talk about My ice. middle name, Draft House, Brock Draft House Wilbur. Uh, and he was like, they sent all their employees over, and each employee grabbed as many bags of ice as they could. And That's like a 20 minute drive. What grocery so, yeah, store they were you at? Okay. They sold out Sunfresh with ice to go replace the thing. And then instead of being like, what a weird thing, this guy was like, the cost of ice machines this day is just crazy. And just started listing off the costs of ice machines. And I was like, this is the worst Dwight conversation that I've ever wound up in. And how we're relaying it to everyone listening who definitely cares. This all started with saying that John Lovett ends uh, yeah. the last John, uh, Lovett of, Lover leave of the season by being like, uh, hey, 2017 uh, was great. And the crowd audibly turns on him yeah. very quickly. And he's like, no, no, no. I know that like it's a hellscape and everything turned on us. But like from the start of the year, Everyone started mobilizing. We had all these marches, and everyone has come out, and it has been very true in our lives as well because uh, 2017 has been a goddamn civics lesson for us from start to finish because every day we learn something new about how this country works or some new legal thing that we never once cared and, about and before. And people are actually like actively fighting about the things that they already cared about. It was a not garbage way to say the thing that Susan Sarandon keeps popping up in interviews to say like, well, the revolution is upon us, so like, I'm glad Trump was elected. Uh, it, it's the not garbage way to say We moved across the country because of this sort of idea. Like, it's, it's nice and it's good and and he, like, the things that people already cared about, they're like actively working for, and and I feel like every day, every month, uh, people people that aren't people that haven't like moved to action from their thought, like all the time things are happening. Like again with Alabama, like every every day, new like more people are pushed to put action to their thoughts. And it does feel weird in that way where I was realizing because of that conversation, like there. There hasn't been anything like the Women's March lately, which just uh, like puts this giant number of people in a place that shows the thing. But I've never once thought that we're regressing. I've always thought that people are being added yeah, I mean, to this. Because that was that was a brilliant show of numbers, which I guess goes back to like what I was saying about never regretting that I was in the majority. Mm-hmm. But there is something like I don't know. Because, I get no, not not but like because there is there there is power in numbers. Like I was always proud to add my voice to that coastal elitism, California liberalism. Like, that gets, you know, shit upon now. Like, I I was never, I never didn't wish I wasn't a part of that. And the Women's March was something of that, of showing numbers. Like, it's not just like, I don't know, when you're not just like alone in your own town in, in the opposition, but like, you know, a million, millions of women came forward and stood together. And like, that's a great show of numbers. But now that everyone has gone back to their homes and their states and their individual issues I don't know I don't I don't think that like everyone that went to the women's march is as mobilized still every day as everyone wishes and that's they were, the fear it's like does it did everybody burn out real fast on this and I never have that feeling no because millions of women weren't going to go back to their homes and all be politically active every day for their lives and for their hobbies 1.5 million people joined Emily's list today <laughs> yeah. it's a kind of a lot you know a small a relatively small percentage of the people that showed up for the women's march are 
being politically active in their everyday lives. Right. But that small percentage translates to record numbers of people and LGBTQIA people like running yeah. for office and, you know, I don't know. Voters, voters of color turning out in Alabama and like, or not, that's, that's not what happened. Terrence erased that. I think there you're, are, you're, you're, you're not wrong. No, but, no, but I don't, I don't want to say that actually, Terrence actually erased this edit point. Terrence actually erased that. Because record numbers of voters of color did not show out, uh, did not show up to vote. Uh, it's, Silence moment. Thank you. And back. I think there are so many different ways to show your activism, though, and that's why we maybe haven't seen everybody in one place since the Women's March, but because I th- they went, because they went, they went home and, yeah, and they home. chose like what yeah. the thing is for them. So maybe that's just donating, and we have seen like a ton more contributions come in, like the Georgia race. I mean, they were flooded with contributions, and um, the number of people who have signed up. I'm now very angry that I sent some money to Doug Jones that I thought was going to help and then immediately after getting in, he's doing these things like, can't wait to work I with know. the Republicans. It's still better than yeah. It's still better, but I feel weird now. Yeah, like, I think he'll get his sea legs a little bit. I think he's probably in shock, and I hope for him, yeah. but yeah. Also, if people, if the people that voted for him, like, don't don't stop like calling his office mm-hmm. and telling him what they want yeah what, what they want him to do but this is the nightmare he, is that politics net has to be a 24 7 thing now where you have to call everyone at every level and demand to hold them accountable and you're one of a sea of fish yeah there's the resist but, spot now though so you can just text them and right? they'll send a fax so you don't have to actually yeah. call the fax aspect is so so important. old school yeah. but definitely worth it just i yeah. just imagine papers shooting yeah, everybody's into everyone's offices yeah. Like, make it rain, like make it rain, rain with disappointment from your voting office. base. Yeah. I think Doug Jones probably is scared that he is immediately vulnerable. I mean, he is a senator, so he has six years. Um, but I guess, before, should, does he have to run again in 2018? No, I think he has six no. years. So, um, Despite what Trump's tweet about will take yeah. the seat back soon. Trump's getting in my head now. So yeah. <laughs> Trump. Trump doesn't know how politics yeah, works. Yeah, he probably doesn't know when his election is. Uh, he, uh, today, today yeah, hopefully, soon. please, is what we're saying and him. Yeah, I but I think... He, oh, he's going to retire next year. It's oh, gosh, fine. I <laughs> hope so. But I think Doug Jones probably just needs to see that the people that voted for him have his back on tough votes. Um, also, also, it, like, if the people that voted Doug Jones into office, if everyone that voted for him... If if a percentage of the people that voted for him would also call his office every time there is an issue up for debate, his life would be miserable if he doesn't serve the constituency that voted him in. And that's, yes, it does suck that we need to make their lives miserable for them to keep representing us, but we have the power to do that, which I guess is what I was saying with the Women's March. Like, if even a small percentage of the women that showed up for that keep calling their elected officials when they go back home, then that is not a loss just because we don't see millions of women all in the same place every day. I keep seeing that expression a lot all of a sudden now that's like, 
these people are public servants, and why do they not live in constant fear? Yeah. And I was like, well, you know, I mean, yeah. that was a be- I did I did a number of roundups of like beautiful things that are happening at uh, town hall meetings. Right. I guess that was whenever the last uh, ACA break was. and stuff. No, but like whenever oh. the last break was, when was there a summer break? I forget. All some time kind of long together. weekend. Or... It wouldn't have been a year ago, but uh, if they a, take a an entire break, congressional yeah. long weekend. Yeah, a long weekend. Look. <laughs> yeah, just a nice yeah. bender. But no, like when when they all go home, when they're all supposed to go home and like hear from their constituents, the last time that happened, the constituents made it hard mm-hmm. you know there were all those like wanted flyers of right. like politicians that didn't show up in their hometowns Brown back yeah. yeah people people are still working and it's not the millions of people that showed up for a single march but it is enough of them that every every politician is hearing from their constituents and i think as a former kansas person you'll get this i have a weird uh fucking addiction to the numbers game thing because uh, not only did I come up as a Kansas Republican kid who I still have like brownback merch from like (laughs) elections two decades ago in my room like a pen Uh, but also like I was I was a promise keeper with my dad and so we would hit up and for people that don't know promise keepers was a Christian organization that would rent out NFL stadiums (laughs) for the weekend and you would go and have all these speakers all day, but like they were so goddamn into numbers, and they actually did like a million man march mm-hmm. thing that we went to, which of course topped out around five hundred thousand, uh, which I I heard so many people that day yeah, round up. Yeah. be like the like bla- a million ish the the blacks million man march didn't go over two hundred thousand. I was like. Why are we comparing, and wait, and why do we even call these things that then, and why does this matter? So, like, crowd size has always been very indicative, and so that, I think that that's one of the things that, like, when the Women's March right after the election, uh, uh, which, if you can listen to Slate's uh, election anniversary show, they talked to the black women that were brought in to fix that. Basically, the Women's March, March was launched on Facebook by four white women that had never run an event before, and they were a few days in, they're like, we have... A million people yeah. saying yes, we're coming. We planned nothing, <laughs> and we they, it wasn't called the Women's March. It was called like it was, was it Pantsuit Nation right at now. that point or no? It, it was the Million Women oh. March, which was already a thing back okay. in the sixties. Like right. that was already a march, but it, because it was a, a couple of white women organizing it, they didn't know that, and so they did the right thing after doing the wrong thing of reaching out to knowledgeable black activists and saying like. Please help us. Please come fix us. And this was the night after election. They flew people in. They got stuff fixed. And they got uh, they got a permit for 250,000 people to show up. And they had to pretend up until the day of that only 250,000 people were showing. And they were uh, hiding out in the basement of their hotel, which was their base. And they were just watching thousands of women walk by in vagina hats and stuff and they were trying to like not make eye contact and just be like yeah they're just going to like a different woman's thing it's fine like (laughs) but in their in their post-mortem don't tell anyone that gave us the permits in their post-mortem they're like we had a sound system that 200,000 people could hear it was less than what that permit was for and they're like that means that 
more than a million people didn't hear any of the speakers and were still there. And just, like, that's just such an incredible testament to this. I just looked it up because I've been saying like, you know, a million, a couple million people. Uh, they don't even know. This is what a fucking wide range. The estimate, according to Wikipedia, the most reliable of sources, between 3.2 and 5.2 million people participated. That is a wide, it's a wide, it's a wide margin of I went error. to the Women's March in Topeka at the state capitol there, and there was like between three and 5,000 people wow. at the Topeka, Kansas Women's March, which was just insane. It's, it's what made me so happy about uh, everyone on the internet dragging Tommy Laren uh, the morning after the Doug Jones Tommy. thing. When she's like, <laughs> when she's like it's, it's amazing. Uh, we just accepted the loss, and no one's out there in the streets with stupid hats. And I was like, I, I had to remember that what she was referencing was the vagina hats at Women's March. It was like, MAGA really hats define... Yeah, vagina hats. Yeah. So, so <laughs> proper. I, had, I couldn't remember what it was that they thought liberals thought was the dumb hat. And I was like, oh, but you... You de- you're defined by your stupid fucking hat everywhere people go. I I actually had the opposite experience. My I was raised by fairly liberal people in a really conservative um, area. Um, in, Topeka? in Topeka, yeah. Where at? Um, where do I where do I live in Topeka? Or what's your address? <laughs> um, I live in Central Topeka, so like right okay. in, in like. Were your parents from? Um, or did they my mom. There? Sorry, I know no, you're in the okay. middle of the story. My mom but... grew up in Hutchinson. In Kansas. Um, wow. Yeah. And then she moved to Topeka in her. She went to college at KU and then moved to Topeka after that. So. My only Hutchinson story is going to a basketball tournament there the in seventh fair? grade. Or the Cosmosphere. Not the State Fair. Not the Cosmosphere. It was going there to a basketball tournament in seventh grade. I had $10 to eat that day, and instead of eating, I went to the Sam Goody at the mall and bought the Beck single with B-sides for Loser, which is the first ever set of B-sides I'd bought, and then I got back in the car, and everyone knew I had not bought food, and I got yelled at very wow. hard. <laughs> um, if you would have gone to the state fair with that 10 bucks, you could have got a whole uh, gaggle of Pronto Pups, which are basically corn dogs but they're not corn dogs they're pronto pups pronto pups is what we're going to call this cat from now on um yeah so and then my dad and my dad grew up in lincoln nebraska but moved to topeka when he was really young his dad was actually a lutheran minister um oh, wow. and we my dad still lives in the house is there anyone in kansas that whose dad isn't actually my because i don't think i've met it's so funny because my parents are divorced and my mom my my biological dad his um, father was a minister and my stepdad's father was a minister Um, so my mom is like the poster child for that song the only man who could ever reach me was the son of a preacher's man like that's her thing Um, yeah subtitle daddy issues by Aretha Franklin yeah yeah so daddy god my stepdad's from Alabama like my parents are not from like liberal areas but I was raised to be like a feminist from a very young age that word was not used around the house but right. my dad was like very um it, oh he just wanted you to be a yeah person. and just like yeah. do do things on my own like Spoiler, yeah that's feminism yeah like make make your own doctor's appointments like that kind of stuff just like yeah. learn to talk to humans like don't let dudes show that was, yeah. that was, that was the interview. best example yeah. make your own doctor's yeah. appointments you know Feminism. Feminism. <laughs> um, and then my mom was like a corporate uh, 
like I think of it as like corporate Barbie. That's not what she is. But she was the she worked at Goodyear, which was a um, obviously people know what Goodyear is. Um, yeah. They make tires. She she, she fly the blimp. Um, I, I've been in the blimp. Okay. I have been in the blimp. Um, but she worked in the communications department of Goodyear. But like I remember as a kid walking around the plant with her, and those men were terrified of her. Like she was a badass. Um, and so it just like hit me by she osmosis. Would be, sure would be nice if there was some in between between being terrified I know. of us and ignoring. I, I prefer well, she, she could at any point summon a man made out of tires yes. yeah. that could steal their souls and it's take true. it down to stool. The blimp, I was so scared when I went in as a child because I had this idea that it would go upside down and then get like stuck in the upside down position. It doesn't yeah. go upside down. I, I thought all blimps were like the Hindenburg. Like I thought that all my my dad uh, used to work at NASA in uh, in the suburb of San Francisco where there was like there's like the biggest blimp hangar in the world or something. I don't sure. know if that's actually true. That's how much attention I all paid as a kid. Big, yes, but I think this one was exceptionally okay. large. I don't know. I was a child and I didn't yeah. pay attention when adults talked to me. But I, like, I don't know. All I knew was, like, Goodyear or, like, I didn't even know they made blimps anymore. Do they? I think I the know. blimp is still around. Like, they towed it out for special occasions. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. the Goodyear blimp flies over L.A. all the time. Yeah. That's true. Like, sporting I just, events, yeah. definitely. I, just, I always thought that blimps either flew, flew over, like, baseball games or were the Hindenburg and made of steel and blew up. You're thinking of bloodthirsty rocketeers at blimps. I don't know a lot of things about a lot about of things, blimps. including blimps. Shocking. Yeah. Um. So, somebody today on Twitter was like, what is the alternate universe where this tax bill doesn't pass? And we were joking about stuff. I was like, you know what? I'll accept the alt universe where the tax bill does pass, but we're all still using Zeppelins, yeah. just like in Batman that's, the Animated Series. You know, that's what it is. I like in my in my young brain, I didn't know the difference between a blimp and a Zeppelin. I still don't. <laughs> okay, me neither. You're fine. It's... Okay, good. I've been in a blimp, so I know. This is now a blimp Zeppelin discussion podcast. A blimp is uh, more like a marshmallow, I think. And a Zeppelin catches on yeah. fire. Something, okay. Okay. something that's like that. That's the main difference. No, the point was that we don't ask a question based on that marshmallow thing and just, just move forward. Just accept it, okay? I've been in one. It's I made know. of marshmallows and dreams. Yeah. <laughs> so you found a feminism via just being told to be a, a mm-hmm. person. Be a yeah. person. Because that's what feminism is. Yeah. But you also found it via this thing that like, is a constant stuck-in-the-craw point for both of us, which is that religious people can miss the point of goddamn religion and sometimes when they get it right they're like oh yeah women should be people and everyone takes care of themselves i went to parochial school for nine shouldn't be progressive politics or progressive religion. yeah i went to i went to parochial school for nine years um and in 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 topeka kansas Kansas, yeah and my family is still like fairly religious and i consider myself to be religious but i don't associate myself with the religion of like uh Roy Moore or something like that's not what I see religion to be and I religion shouldn't be attached to Republican politics and that was I remember the idea of like separation of church and state being like drilled into me as a child like that was one thing that we would talk about at our dinner table by religious people yeah because that's what it was supposed to fucking be (laughs) yeah so I I mean we had in our parochial school we had kids vote Kansas which is you know you like vote they have the actual elections and they just have the students 
boat. Oh my God! I pushed this into such a little box in my brain and crushed that box. Kids, kids that? about Kansas. Yeah. Yep. Um. So I remember in 2002, I was uh in I can't remember exactly what grade I was in, but that was the first year that Kathleen Sebelius was elected governor of Kansas, and she was like, I mean, the attacks that she got from the pro-life movement still to this day shock me there was they would park a bus outside of the Capitol with like imagery all over it of like aborted fetus and using air quotes because they were not real images and she had to have like security to go around the Capitol because people would just it was so it was so vile the attacks but I was the one this is a conversation we wound up on a couple of times and we'll continue to do because everyone wants to talk about it that Kansas can elect Democrats all the fucking time we've had so many and that that leads into this sort of like, uh, well, we just want the best person for the job. And sometimes that applies, and other times it's just that the Republican candidate is so fucked that an actual other Republican runs under the mm-hmm. Democrat label, and that's how they get in. But Sebelius was an actual she Democrat. Was progressive, like a true progressive. And But she worked across the aisle. She was a bipartisan uh, like deal maker, but not in a way that ever sold out the things that were important. Um, right. Yeah, I, I love As a part of this Democratic uh, governor uh, discussion that we watched the other night oh, on yeah. this live stream, mm-hmm. th- one of the questions was like, how are you going to get in there and not be like Sebelius, who didn't get anything done? And it was like, I, yeah, she got a lot done, and then Obama put her in charge of yeah. education. Like, yeah. she did fine. Uh, <laughs> also, the same thing as Obama of, like, you can be the most brilliant politician, but you are not acting in a vacuum. Right. Like, there is a shit ton of opposition against you, and if you are the one progressive against, uh, like, a Republican opposition... It is really hard to get things done, and that cannot speak against your character. Yeah, she, uh, I think she was a great model for a governor, and I would love to have someone that was like her again. But in my kids' vote Kansas election, out of my entire school, I was the one person that voted for her versus whatever, like, dum-dum. I can't remember who the Republican was. Some dummy. Yeah, but then kids came to me, and they actually said, because this is what they'd heard from their Republican, or from their parents who were Republicans. No, they're yeah. insane. You got it right. They, they <laughs> said, oh, you're the one that voted for Sebelius. That means you like abortion. Oh, I'm the biggest fan. Just the biggest fan of abortion. I think I was 12 yeah. at that point. And, but I did say, I was like, uh, it doesn't mean that I want to have an abortion myself. It just means that I think other people should be able to do what they want. Mm-hmm. And I just like, that is my path for life, then, I think. And then the 12-year-olds burned you at a stake. Yeah, basically. I was not, I was not popular. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. The, in, uh, <laughs> yeah, in, in Topeka Lutheran School, I was not uh, everyone's favorite. But Oh, my God. Yeah, it, it definitely, like, set, definitely set me on a path for my life yeah that you're still on yeah Yeah. good good I and I ended up working at Planned Parenthood here um before I had before I got my current job I worked at the Planned Parenthood affiliate in Kansas City um as a fundraiser and so I got to kind of like reconnect with that uh early uh passion yeah yeah wow Mm. 
Sorry, I'm just processing. Terrence, this will be an edit point because Brock leads the the questions and the conversation. I just want to commiserate about uh, all those people. No, we do. We do. I'm supposed to lead it, but I am bad at that because I'm just uh, internally hating all of the children. That uh, yeah, kids kids are mean, even if it's about your political beliefs. Well, because they just I mean I don't know what do they they just like walk up to you and regurgitate what their parents told them. Exactly. Yeah. And. I mean, I was probably regurgitating what my parents told me too, but I think my parents were right. Yeah, I think my parents were right, so it's okay. Um, And even when I ended up working at Planned Parenthood, my parents were not, my dad particularly wasn't jazzed about it. It wasn't necessarily his, like... To use a canvas Yeah, it wasn't his favorite thing for me to do, but he respected it, and he saw the importance of the work. Um, I think he was more concerned about, like, safety and and that side of things, um, because he had seen such negative sides of the pro-life movement. Yeah. Yeah. Does anyone see a good side of the pro-life movement? Like, I, uh, Scott Benson. Oh, well, a bunch of babies don't get murdered is what I'm told the pro side is. But also, then can we just talk about science and women's lives? Yeah. Oh, okay. You don't want us to have abortions, so give us, you know, health insurance that covers birth control. No, that should also be illegal. Like, just I really love that you were a pre-sexual like entity that was like. I just, I, I understand why the need for this would exist, and I'm going to be the one yeah. kid to vote for it. I, In fucking Topeka, of all I, places. I just barely kissed my first boy. Oh, I had not. I really want my uterus to I had to not kissed my first boy okay. at, that, at that point. She's ahead of the curve on a yeah, lot of things. It would, it would be several years until that occurred. But, but also, I'm not going to kiss yeah. a boy until my uterus is fucking yeah. covered. Wait, sorry, no one wanted to kiss abortion I was going to say, I, I didn't want to kiss them because... I didn't respect because them. Because they all didn't care about your yeah. uterus. Yeah. That's right. That's why yeah. I was a late bloomer. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't care about my uterus. Thank you. Yeah. I'm still struggling. That's why I didn't have a prom I'm date. I'm still struggling with that issue. Finding people in the Midwest who respect my uterus. Yeah. Yeah, if, if, if you're going to give up access to it... Kelly, Kelly just looked to all sides of the room. Yeah. <laughs> uh, our, our friend Scott Benson, who made uh, A Night in the Woods, uh, which is a really cool video game everyone should play. Everyone play. Has, uh, has like one of those 100 tweet threads about uh, coming up in uh, an East Coast state and being raised Christian and protesting outside an abortion clinic. And as a teenager him and his later-to-be wife, like, uh, having a scare and having to go to a Planned Parenthood, uh, and he met with a woman that he had while he was a teen protester, stalked, mm-hmm. knew everything about her life, knew everything about everything she'd ever done wrong, had threatened her life multiple times, and they had to meet with oh her in this Planned Parenthood in uh, an old converted bank vault because that was the level of security they needed to be able to like proceed with stuff. And just that moment as a teenager of recognizing that quickly on the turn, like, oops, fucked up so horribly on all of this. I, I volunteered uh, in California at a clinic, and our worst time of the year was that there's an actual summer camp oh my gosh. Uh, that uh, Christians from all over the country send their kids to, and the kids come to protest. And one of the things that they're told is 
threaten people with violence, do whatever you want to do, because no one's going to arrest a kid for doing this thing. So suddenly there's just like a bus full of violent kids that think that this is their way into heaven is to maybe punch you in the back of the head or threaten someone. But also maybe for some of them it's just summer camp. They don't even know what they're doing. Yeah, and, and that's what uh, made it so tragic. Because like, oh, in two, in two, three years, you're gonna go to college, you're gonna fuck somebody, and then you're gonna be like, whoops. Yeah. I'm sorry, you send a kid to a summer camp where they're allowed to like threaten people with violence. How can you tell the difference between people that are like kids that are actually religious and believe this stuff, and kids that are just fucking sociopaths in the making and want to be able to threaten violence to people? I've met a lot of kids. They're not all great. We have Beavis. We have Butthead. We have Bethesda. Is that a sure? One in three doesn't care about the cause; they just want to threaten violence. When I worked at Planned Parenthood, it was the summer of the like selling body parts uh, scandal. Oh, they gotcha. Yeah, they gotcha. And it was some of the craziest. Joan gotcha. Yeah, it was some of the craziest protests. I mean, every single Saturday, they had people that would wrap around our block out to protest. All of them, all of them had definitely watched all the videos and, and read about like, totally. the, the right? Yeah. Welcome to Project Veritas. Yeah, and so, I mean, they would be there. I mean, it was a smaller number on every day, but when I would come to work at 8 a.m., there would be two or three people there every day to just yell at me as I walked into work. And our rule was that we couldn't call each other by our name around them right. because yeah. they would, if they got your name, they would make your life miserable. They, 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 they would just, pull up my social media page and read tweets to me. Oh my gosh. As if his own jokes were like the sickest I burn. love that. Like, remember when you said this and it was funny? Like, it was funny. I did think that was funny. <laughs> Which, uh, we watched the, uh, the HBO doc- documentary uh, Abortion stories women tell that came out last year I which I that. I think that that helped us make this choice in a big way yes okay. just finally looked it up uh, it's about like Missouri abortion clinics okay. which there was one and now there's three that's the best that it's gone yep. but there's still a 72 hour waiting period yeah. Uh, but it's a uh, 72 hour waiting period and you have to have the consultation at the same clinic that you have the procedure done right sorry if that's four hours away from you uh, and and that's what a lot of it is it's talking to women that uh, have to leave Chicago because Illinois has equally restrictive stuff come down here and do this sort of lost weekend of like staying at a hotel mm-hmm. while they wait to be told they can have an abortion and it's like you're a waitress in Chicago you don't have the money to do a, a five-day stay here and also have a medical procedure yeah. that healthcare doesn't cover and so on and so forth. But it also focused on the women and there were... Uh, the best part of this documentary is that it also does follow a pro-lifer who goes around to a bunch of like college campuses and sets up her like stand and who stuff. Who definitely complained after it was And, the, and that was aired. the thing. Yeah. Like she threatened to see them and she's like, I was portrayed in a negative light, but it's just because she just gets constantly owned by especially like college feminists who are like, oh yeah, no, I go and I volunteer at that clinic and I see you every week and you're a piece of shit and everything you think is a piece of shit. It wasn't even that. Like the the big scene was a woman actually trying to engage her in conversation. Like like it wasn't wasn't calling her a piece of shit. It was trying to reason with her and these people cannot be reasoned with. Yeah. If you get challenged on your dogma, you have to support it with facts. It was a lot of there's a question and she just looked down and looked back up and be like, but... Was that God? in Missouri? Yeah. Were they all in Missouri? Was it? I, I believe so. I think the whole thing set in Missouri. So I didn't, I didn't it, it, it definitely did set the stage for us being like, oh, there's work to be yeah. done and it's not here in LA. Which even with the work I was doing in LA, it was like, 
I just get spit on and hit all the time. What if we went somewhere where we could change the legislature yeah. about this? Like, that seems more important. But also keep doing that yeah. groundwork, because if that's happening in Southern California, yeah. if these women are getting shown pictures, like giant, if, if kids are being sent out to hold up posters of fake aborted fetuses or real ones, uh, they don't know. They don't know what they're holding up. Like, if that's happening in Southern California... That was always my least favorite part was somebody brought their kid and that kid would throw rocks at me and I'm like... I feel like, is that, yeah. isn't seven. that assault of some kind? Like, how but can they... But it's a kid do it. That's why they have the kid do I, it. Oftentimes, like, I was almost hit with a car at one point. Also, uh, also cops would just stand across the street. The cops are... The, you, you would you'd call the cops and the cops in California were like, the two of you just have this funny back and forth, like spy versus spy. Yeah. And it's just so fun. And I know you guys are just doing this performative thing, so no one would ever arrest anyone for anything because else. Because everyone and, in L.A. wants to be an actor. So even the pro-life right. protesters are doing bits, right? Is that yeah. how it works? Well, there, I mean, there were a couple of articles last year that came out about, you know, self-proclaimed woke dudes that were doing this thing because they wanted to go viral. They wanted that to be attention on them. Yep. Uh, and then one at Brock, this com- this group that Brock uh, volunteered with, he would be sent to like one of three clinics, and one of them was right across the street or very close to uh, University of Southern California, which is a very expensive school, very expensive private school, <laughs> I completely with, uh, very this. very well known for its film program of George a lot Lucas. of dudes okay. that can afford a very expensive film program, uh, and of all of the clinics he went to um that one he always came back feeling the worst from because it wasn't just the dudes and their kids or whoever showing up to you know read his tweets out loud or throw rocks or try and hit him with a truck one or two times um but it was the people that would park in the clinic parking lot because they wanted to go to brunch next door and that parking lot was full. And so when you have to deal with not just the pro-life, the anti-choice protesters that are throwing rocks at you, but also the entitled dudes that won't move their car and really don't give a shit about you or the women that, that you're dealing with. Uh, it's just it's just a weird confluence of entitlement from both sides. A lot of uh, abortion clinic stuff uh, revolves around where it is. So in Downey, California, we were in a space that was next to a Chick-fil-A, and Chick-fil-A uh, was closed on Sundays, and Sundays was the day this clinic was open, so the hyper-Christian owners of Chick-fil-A would say, go ahead and park here. Uh, protesters and women would have to navigate their space through a public space to get in, and that's where they would get mobbed or attacked. Uh, there's a lot of Planned Parenthoods in, in Southern California that were in, like, uh, strip malls or something, and, like, there was no way for people to get on the ground, so they'd have to protest out on the, the sidewalk. And this one at USC was in a mini-mall. It should have been fine, uh, but there was a cool, hip brunch place nearby, and there was only, I think, just two reserved spots for women to come in and you would just see these entitled college kids just park in that spot and then go in to order $30 pancakes and I'd be like hey if the woman doesn't park here she has to go through that fucking wall of like so it's uh I, I know that we're just getting our bearings here in Kansas City, but the nearest Planned Parenthood to us is uh, right off of a freeway. It is literally on the off-ramp of the freeway, and that scares me every time I see it because I'm like, 
not only is that in this public space, but that's in that sort of space where somebody can just throw something out of a window, like well, a bomb. Also, <laughs> also, we should look at, I actually don't know, There, so it was just up from one to three, but there are a lot of Planned Parenthoods. Our state now only has three that offer abortion services, right. and I don't know what... The rest I don't of know what. Closest, no, I mean, I don't know what those three The closest are Planned Parenthood like. to here is the one by the Nelson mm-hmm. uh, Museum, if you guys have been. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know which... I don't know which... I mean, because there, there are a lot of Planned Parenthoods, but yeah. only three offer abortion services, which, like, is same in California. Like, not every Planned Parenthood offers abortion services. The ones that do are the ones that have protesters outside. Uh, they know. They know where they are. They're the ones that you have to be buzzed into. Um, they're the ones that should have more than two fucking parking spaces uh, and should have someone patrolling to make sure that brunch kids don't park there. But instead, they don't, and the cops just stand across the street walk, watching the protesters throw rocks at you. And Kelly brought up the thing that is just fucking shocking, which is that like we're a few years out from the Project Veritas uh, selling baby parts things, and no one's ever made like a, a big nationwide like retraction on that story. So that still lives <laughs> no, they, in the head of people. Actually, they really have. But not in the there channels a, that no, it was there, there have been a ton of retractions on that. Uh, Fox News hasn't done it, and therefore the people that believe the it that, yeah. are never going to not believe it. There have been a shit ton of articles written about how that was fake, but none from the none from the outlets that people that wanted to believe it watch. Yeah, it's. I think that was a really challenging time to work there because even people who were supportive of the organization, it when it first came out, they definitely had questions like, wait, what is this? Why should I believe it or not? And I think it, the retractions didn't come soon enough. And so yeah. it, it did a lot of damage that uh, Planned Parenthood had to recover from. And like you said, the, the outlets that the people who truly believed it actually watch and listen to haven't retracted it and they never will. So for all those people know it's it's fact. It like it should be it should be in the same category as like Ted Cruz's father killed JFK. But that's true. Like <laughs> That's true, guys. Okay. Okay, I'm sold. There's more than one yeah. way. I'm wrong. I'm sold. Yeah. Lighthearted oh. material today. <laughs> so you've been here, you're doing this work. What are the things that you give a shit about and where do you see potential for this part of the country moving and, forward? And also, wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can I, so you're... You, like, I know what you're passionate about, but like your job job, are you in environmental... Work? No, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I don't work yeah. specifically in environmental policy now. I am. I work for a political consulting firm. Uh, we're based in the Midwest. Our main uh, offices are in Kansas City and Des Moines, um, but we work with candidates across the country, um, Democrat and progressive organizations. So I. Do you wear the white hat? I like to think I wear the white hat, but I think... Like metaphorical or literal? Uh, Kelly, more confidence. I don't wear any literal hats. I don't have the head for them. That's Um, fine because it's December. (laughs) My head is a little bit too large for the standard hat and it makes it difficult. Um, I think that I think I wear the white hat. Um, But I'm a little behind on scandal, so I don't know if that's a good thing anymore or not to wear the white hat. 
Brock's, Brock's the scandal fan in the house. Oh, I left two seasons I, ago, too. That's about so when, like, as uh, soon as they elected the president the that, like, OG maybe hat, had hat. killed... I, I, the, yes. I, yes. I, that's when yep. I, like... <laughs> yes. Are you trying to shut down spoilers from For scandal? Ago? I'm trying to protect yeah. you. Um, <laughs> me? Oh, babe. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm not itching for a scandal binge. binge. I'm fine. Yeah. But so I work with candidates across the country, um, and and so my I'm working on races. Some Midwest, I have uh, the Kansas gubernatorial race. I thought you said you were working on races. <laughs> no, and I was like, we should. I probably all be doing that should all the time. Uh, <laughs> say that slower. I work on races no, no, no. across the country, um, but in doing so, you are trying to work on races. Always, right? that's my yeah. pet project. Yeah. yeah. I love this song in Chicago. Um, but so I work on. I have the Kansas gubernatorial race, a candidate there. I have a congressional race in Kansas, but then the majority of my work is um, in in other states. Who's your, Who's your candidate in the Kansas? Uh, Laura Kelly, who just announced. Just joined. Mm-hmm. We we talked. So actually, the episode where we talked about the race, I don't think has even come out. It came out today. Okay. So. It, as, I as I am saying these words, uh, that episode hasn't come out, but the day after we recorded our last episode, um, and I talk, and we were talking about all the, all the, uh, candidates and I, I commented on how there were no women, uh, the next day, which was like a week before this came out. I don't know. I'm lost in time now. And this is when uh, uh, Kelly uh, became my number one uh, enemy <laughs> because she sent me. Because she supports a, a woman. Yeah, yeah bra. I brought. I brought up that we had been talking lovingly about Josh Spotty, and she sent me a clickbait article about the ten men in in politics that we want to see with their shirt off. It was from off, 2007, <laughs> which included Josh Spotty, and I was like, "You're the worst Click person." Clickbait and hooked. Yeah. I don't want that. You didn't send that to me. <laughs> but I also broke the news to Brock that Josh Spotty is pro-life, and therefore will never get my. You vote. didn't tell me that. I'm sorry to Brock's just ruin your marriage, but... Uh. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's ruined. Well, because I'm... I mean, we live in Missouri. I can't, I can't vote in I'm Kansas. a Missouri voter, too. I can't vote in I, Kansas. I really only follow because... Uh, well, I, I follow because I, I should know what's happening in other states, but uh, I really follow because Brock has an in, a tie-in with, uh, with his Kansas... Mm-hmm history of life uh and family voting family yeah. true but like i would not normally when i lived in california i would not have watched the nevada gubernatorial debate we live on um, state line road there's you know it's do. possible next year that we're living in a house we on do i still i still am trying to learn exactly how kansas politics affect my daily life like i am i am we've been here two months i'm still trying i'm I could be doing better, but I'm still trying to learn exactly how my new state's politics affect my life. Like, I wouldn't be following the Kansas gubernatorial race if you didn't have such a close tie-in with with your family and and growing up there. It is is super fucked that there are uh, people that run Kansas City, Kansas, and Kansas City, Missouri. It's one city. It's two cities. That has two mayors. Yeah, it's two cities. But come on, I, yeah, <laughs> it's one name, two cities. Uh, it's it's very complicated. The yeah, the state line divide. But I think the biggest way it would affect you right now is where you like 
do your shopping, you'll pay like right. higher taxes right. in one right. spot. Right. Like uh, the the divide seems to be women be shopping yeah. versus right. taxes. Yeah. Yeah. Grocery shopping. Ice. Buy all the ice for the Alamo Draft House. You know. <laughs> Where is? Oh, I do do my grocery shopping in Kansas. I go down to to the Sprouts. I, yeah, I, I shop mostly in Kansas out of a force of habit, but it, I think it is. I guess I don't know at this point with like any new changes, but I think it is more expensive. It's definitely more expensive to get gas in Kansas. We had okay. a Sprouts in our neighborhood back in LA that was basically a closet, and I would just walk through. No, like, that walk. wasn't it. That wasn't a Sprouts. You call every every place that sells organic produce a Sprouts, and I love you for it. I just Ron Swanson my way through all these places like. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Come on. I shop at no. the Hen House, which is a very small like. <laughs> Isn't that garbage? No, no. Their produce was not it's, great. When I think I was it's there. good. The which one did you okay. go to? The one by the strip mall. <laughs> which you have to specify which strip mall? <laughs> the one by the Old Navy. In some places. Do you see how Kansas affects your life now? I don't okay. know. I just that's put it into the, Google Maps and yeah, I go somewhere. Okay. Go to, but we're, yeah. about to we're about to get an organic market uh, down by like a few blocks oh, really? here. And I am so excited that I don't have to drive 20 minutes to go to Sprouts anymore because uh, the produce around us is not great. Yeah. Oh, you're uh, Nature's Own. Yeah. So yeah. I work, yeah, it's my office in is in, in River month. Market yeah. where the current Nature's Own. There's another my one. My office is literally next door to Nature's Own. So it's really nice because normally campaign offices are like a wasteland where you can't get any normal food so I would eat Domino's right. like four out of five days of the week which is my trashy pizza of choice but now I can like walk to nature's own literally next door and get like yeah. decent food and I'm much healthier the alt-right has claimed Papa John's yeah. I, I can't, can't go to Papa I am, I am just please Domino's don't tweet about yeah. your politics I, I ride or die for Domino's I don't want to it's know it's been a long time since I've had Domino's but I I ride or die for it nice yeah. nice very good but i'm sorry to break your heart about josh he's complicated well, well that's 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 fine <laughs> aren't uh, all men so tell us about the person that is running sure. that we should care um, about so laura kelly she's a state current state senator she's from topeka um she has served i believe at least a couple decades in the state legislature um and she's just extremely smart she's very pragmatic she is a person that gets things done um she's definitely not like a political climber or uh like looking out for her next um political office she has been in her same position for quite a while and i think was truly not considering running for governor until it until she realized that there there was a, a lack in one, a woman in the race, and then two, in somebody that could be a true like champion and leader for Kansas and the issues that we have been making progress on recently and need to continue. Um, I think the fear right now with the Kansas gubernatorial race is that we are dangerously close to just electing Chris Kobach, um, which will be worse than electing Brownback, um, but you know, we have an independent candidate in the race right now um, that will definitely pull votes from the Democratic side. I think we need a Democratic candidate who is a true progressive but is like a coalition builder and can bring all factions of the Democratic Party together because it is a, um, it is a uh, quilt of different people in Kansas. You know, it, not everybody cares about the same issues. And, and that means... There's some moderate Republicans that belong in that tent. 
um, and some like far left Democrats. And I think she's the best person to do that. So what are the issues that are pulling people apart in this election? Because a, a, a major, a major point of just uh, what is the word? Total terrible upset all of the time for me is a major point of 2017 for me is uh, the declaration that identity politics drive um, drive Democratic voters, drive women, and drive voters of color, especially when uh, I don't see like white small town coal mining midwestern anyone voters uh voting in anything that could not be considered identity politics um you know people vote people vote along the, as i see it people vote along the issues that are important to them specifically abortion small business if you're a small business owner you know what you're going to do for coal if you're a coal miner but for some reason it's only women and voters of color or those fucking coastal liberal elites that it, the term identity politics really applies to and we get blamed for so much and so I'm wondering what you see as as I don't know as the the issues that divide voters and if you I don't see how any any specific issue can be seen as anything but identity politics and I don't know why that's a term that only gets applied to to people that aren't you know, white small town town men, basically. I think the issues that divide people the most are the ones you would expect, like abortion and guns. I think those will be the, um, you'll have, you know, your one issue voters that are um, hardline on on those. Gun abortionists. Gun abortionists. Usually, yeah, that's a good term for them because they're usually like on one side or the other. I want the right right to kill people, but I don't want women to kill babies that aren't born yet. I want to be the one that kills. Yes. Yeah. But I, it's God, my right. Sorry, that went so dark. It's that was so right. dark. I just went with it. Like, sure, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I think the interesting well, thing. Well, God said it in the Constitution, right? He, God said, I believe, yeah. I believe God wrote the Constitution, and that's what he meant. Right? I'm an originalist interpreter yeah. of God's yeah. Constitution. <laughs> Um, Constitution. Yeah. yeah. But I think the interesting thing about Kansas right now is that the issues that are most important and that bring a lot of people together are um, are super basic. It's like, do we have enough money to fund our state? Which Brock talked about at the beginning, but we did have this. Brownback called it a real life experiment with this tax plan to see like if we cut tax rates for corporations and businesses to basically nothing, won't they just like have a surge of growth and then our state's economy will just be booming? And shockingly, I call it fickle down economics. Ooh, trademark that. Um, shockingly, it didn't work, and we're we're broke. Um, we're we're, but not not as broke as Oklahoma, where they've gone down to four days a week for we're school. We're close to that, though. Like, Hawaii does I mean, that too. the schools. That's just because Hawaii's chill. Yeah, they're so chill. chill. Um, you call it Chill Fridays. Ooh, I would definitely move to Hawaii yeah. for Chill Fridays. Yeah. <laughs> it's not furlough Fridays. It's 
Tuesdays. Yeah. Um, but schools are are like the most important issue to Kansas voters, I think. And it, mm. it is the same. It's important. It's as important to Johnson County voters, which is the suburb of Kansas City where the most wealthy people live, as it is to Western Kansas voters. And they have different issues. You know, Johnson County is able to put a lot of local money into their schools and make them the best in the state. But they have seen their state contributions shrink by so much that they can't even keep up anymore um, with local contributions to to have the high caliber schools that they want. Um, Whereas in Western Kansas, you see schools have to close and kids have to ride buses for like three hours each way to get to school because they have to consolidate. So I think schools and education is one like defining issue that brings everybody together, but there's different ideas about how we need to be solving those problems right now. Um, And that's the kind of stuff that divides Kansas voters. I got two last questions here. The first revolving around uh, Andrea Ramsey, uh, who uh, was outed this week. Uh, She was an Emily's List candidate uh, for Congress here in Kansas uh, and had to step back because of sexual allegations made against her. Uh, And of course, I I showed it to Viv as soon as it happened. It was like, well, this will be claimed by every dude that says... I showed that to you. I showed it to you and you were like... I showed it to you. Okay. Both of us showed it to each other. (laughs) We all showed it to each other. Simultaneous showing. And and your reaction was, uh, oh, all the bad pen are about to say, look, women do it too. And almost immediately on the news app, the number one trending story was Fox News running with that story. what the fuck happened there? I, I haven't been here long enough to know what was going on. Also, are women bad now? Women have always been bad. Um, Do women have the capacity for sexuals? It's shocking that I'm going to tell you. We also, do. are all women always lying now? Is that what the story has proven? And what are they lying to me about? <laughs> I think that issue, that case, and that, that particular um, race is... There's a lot of complicated factors there because... I, I know she's disputing the facts of the um, allegation, and it had to do with an employee matter from like several decades ago. Um, it was investigated. Yeah, it was investigated, already, right? and I yeah. think it was closed. Um, and this is the same thing that's coming up with the Women's March right now is that one of the people mm-hmm. that started it ran a company where a sexual harassment allegation was not taken as seriously as it could have been several years previous and that is now being used as a chance to bring down the women's march right because i i have to admit that like i actually don't know anything about that but i do have to admit that like my my initial reaction to this was uh like it was investigated and was dismissed like when people call for investigations i mean it just it brings up memories of like well we have to investigate hillary's emails and no one that says that actually knows that it was already investigated but i do have to like curb that and 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 acknowledge like just because I think something was investigated does not mean it was investigated well and like I I don't actually know anything about this beyond like the one article that I read but like it it does make me have to calm myself and try to not knee-jerk react people that are trying to get on the Me Too bandwagon to take down women. Yeah. Uh, that it could actually be a woman, you know, in an, in an issue of sexual misconduct. It My my knee-jerk reaction is that someone is trying to jump on that that bandwagon to kill the movement, to kill what is happening right now. But, like... 
It could actually be valid. Let's all agree that responsibility for the people in the uh, overarching positions there still bear a weight because we definitely just uh, got the person from Netflix fired that didn't believe Danny no. Masterson's nope. accusers. No, we didn't, actually. Oh, no. Really? No. Oh, I didn't know. Did you not read my piece about that? Oh, I missed that. Breaking, my husband doesn't read everything I write all the time. We did not get the person that didn't believe it's them your fired. Favorite joke. We got the person that happened to say to the wrong person, uh, the wrong person being a woman that was allegedly like one of Danny, self proclaimed one of Dan, Danny Masterson's. Uh, uh, victims. Um, we did not get anyone that actually has any power over that fired. We got someone that said at a children's soccer game, no one at Netflix believes this. We got him fired. And while I... That's my favorite scene from the movie, the TV scene. Well, I do not care that he was fired. He was definitely a scapegoat to convince people that someone in charge was fired. He was in charge of children's programming. He had nothing to do with Danny Masterson's career at all. Oh my God. But he was fired. And again, I have no love lost for him being fired, but maybe someone that actually... Was in charge of not believing the women accusing Danny Masterson should also be fired. I don't know if I'm just like a crazy liberal feminist for suggesting that. So anyway, uh, you were talking about the uh, the woman running for governor. I was. Um, I think I think what we were talking about Andrea Ramsey still. I don't know. Do we still? Is there still well, anything I, to say there? I, 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 I was bringing up the, yeah. the, the woman that's been accused of, of not handling her business yeah. is the Muslim woman that was in charge of the uh, the Women's March, which is one of several people, but it's a great Fox News headline of Muslim woman in charge of Women's March, anti-Trump. Proof that all women are bad now. Exactly. Uh, so it, this thing fell into that where it's just like, it's all the fucking hit words. Yeah. And of course, it immediately became that headline and... And do you know anything at all about it? <laughs> I don't know anything more than what you all know. I, I mean, I think, I think I, of course, believe that women are capable of sexual misconduct, just like men are. And I think women in power, I mean, it, it happens. I think it's not as common as it happens with men. But just as I don't believe that all men are sexual predators just most but um i think um well all are capable yeah everyone's, everyone's yeah. capable of it and most i think are, most are given an opportunity for it yeah i think i i think it's just interesting because it, if it was you know several decades ago she probably was one of the only women in a position of power in her field and so occasionally a woman is going to take advantage mm-hmm. of that in the same way men do yeah most don't. all people in positions of power use it for fucking not all people in positions not of power. How is that not a clunky hashtag? Yeah. <laughs> not all people that can do, hashtag but some hashtag. do. Yeah. I think it's unfortunate because I love having women in all of the all of the races, and I'd love to have a woman beat. But Kevin like Yoder. one might have done a bad yeah. job, so maybe we shouldn't let any do it anymore. Cancel all women. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I accept that. Great. Great. Yeah, we have to, yeah. I guess, based on the rules that are. Sorry, a man said it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and finally, to, to end with, I would like to ask you, uh, because it's opposite of all the bleaked fuckery that we've talked about, you're in the improv comedy scene out here. What is it like to be so funny and smart? Oh, thank you so much for asking. Um, I am I am uh, fairly new to doing improv. I've 
just been doing it for like a little over a year. Um, but I went through uh, improv classes with the Kansas City Improv Company, um, which is based sort of on like UCB classes, uh, you know, and how they break down the levels. But I took six levels of classes there. Um, and I've just been performing with some troops here in Kansas City. But um, it's a really nice and welcoming community. And it is like a little bit of a bubble, which I like to put myself in occasionally of nice people. Um, yeah, I, I love it. Um, it's not something I ever thought I would do in my life. I didn't like do theater in high school or, um, you know, want to be a comedian or anything like that or think I am a comedian now, but um, it's really fun. Um, so I have a last question okay. for you. What are your thoughts on Ladybird? Right? <laughs> We've been talking on yeah. Twitter lately about how our our alignments uh, cross you know, yeah. in uh, liberal politics and Ladybird. Lady I saw it again last night. Um, I I love it so much. It's so specific. I don't think I'm going to have anything like unique to say that hasn't been said in the millions of think pieces about it. I know. Cancel all women. Why even bother having an an opinion? But I love, it feels very specific to, you know, being in high school at that time. And I'm able to relate to every single character. Are you pretty much that age? Um, I'm I'm almost I'm a little bit younger than than she is in the movie. um, But like all of the touchstones were definitely still like a big part of my the fashions were a little bit different when I was in high school but the music was still the same and the feelings were still the same right Um, and that's that's something that really strikes me is that I I have known so many men that relate to movies that I I mean I have related to so many coming of age movies um, on an emotional level, but I have always known men that relate to those same movies on a personal level. Like, oh my God, this like looks just like my childhood. That's what I wore. That's like the part of the country I grew up in. That that's the music I listened to. And the fact, like, I always related to them on an emotional human level. But this is the first coming of age story that I have related to on that on that personal level of like I I'm a year younger younger than than her character and you know the idea of like wanting to really live through yep. something because the which I, I I said on Twitter like girl just fucking wait till you're in your 30s because there's gonna be some shit to live through but like you know other other coming of age movies that I've seen have related directly to you know wars or any cultural movement that's happening and I've never had one in the same way the closest I have is like Looking back on nostalgia of like, I don't know, Clueless or something, which at the time was not a coming of age story. It was just a teen movie. Like, I've never had anything like Lady Bird in that way. And it's, it doesn't make it like the best movie ever, but it makes it something that I can finally relate to on that personal level that men that I've known of various ages have been able to relate to in, in this specific way. Yeah, I took, I went last night with one of my best friends who hadn't seen it yet, and after the movie we just sat in the theater and just went back and forth about like, oh, and that character is exactly like this mm-hmm. person that we know, and I loved when she said this line or that line because it it does feel like things that I have literally said in my life, you know, mm-hmm. lines that she, like you said, the line, I just want to, 
I want to live through something or like go where culture is that I definitely have said that before. Um, and, and then how she relates to all the people around her. Like, I know that girl, like a Jenna, the popular girl who is just like completely clueless and wants to stay in her town forever. Um, and you know, Amelia wants to have babies, but like wanting that person to like you so deeply, um, for no, for no reason. Like I know those feelings. Right. I, I, I have a lot of men on the internet that are, that tell me their opinions about what I write all the time, which I, you know, whatever. I wish weren't a thing, but like my job is public. Yeah. Uh, I, my, my only line of defense is I don't, I don't read them really. Uh, but I, I, so I, so I know that I, I don't consider them like, the actual response to what I write. I consider them the loudest, angriest, most entitled response to what I write. But I have had men that both about Lady Bird and other things that are in this line of thinking, like when I say something like with Lady Bird of like, I, I am so excited to have something that I relate to on this very specific, very specific personal level um, in the way that a lot of men that I've known have been able to respond to these things, the response that I get is, uh, like I'm saying that men are done, that I like this because men can't connect to it. I like this because I don't want men to have personal connections to movies anymore. And, uh, men over party. I detend That's basically what I'm saying all of the time. Um, but really it's just, it's, um... I don't know. It's just really nice to. It's just it's really weird to see men respond, men respond um, to, to me saying, me that, saying I that I am finally experiencing, experiencing what they have experienced their entire lives, yeah. and, it's and it's really weird for them to respond so antagonistically when I have spent my entire life connecting on an emotional level to a story that is supposed to be universal. Mm -hmm. And is, because it's emotionally universal. But the specifics of the story weren't the specifics of my life. And to see these people that think that I'm attacking them because I am praising a movie that doesn't connect with the specifics of their life. Like, it's just, it's really weird. I love this movie so much, and I really wish that I... Some, some, I love my job, but occasionally I wish that I didn't have to um, hear these people's opinions. The most expensive gift I've ever gotten for her is the vinyl soundtrack for Almost Famous, which I recognize is a coming-of-age story for a male character that she has been forced to identify with. But I have a tattoo reference of the movie on my body. Uh, that's how much I'm able to connect with a movie that does not have anything to do with my life specifically, only the emotional arcs are things that I can connect to it with. Um, I don't know. I guess just where I was going was like, I really wish that in the way that that I and I assume we, because you seem like an empathic, empathetic person so. that likes, <laughs> likes movies, doesn't just finally like Lady Bird as the first movie you've ever liked in your life. Like, in the way that we have always... Connected, connected because, we, because had we had to, but also because we wanted to, because we like stories mm -hmm. being told. People that like, People that like stories being told have always connected with stories that didn't actually relate specifically to our own 
lives like yeah. above all others like uh i don't know we've always had room for both right for our own stories and for other stories and like i just i'm i'm at a point right now where i wish that other people had room for both and it's really disheartening to see how many people don't how many people don't have empathy for us connecting with the story well i think what has been frustrating in a lot of other coming-of-age movies that are focused on a male character and their coming-of-age is Mm -hmm. there are definitely female characters in it that are also going through, you know, similar experiences and times in their lives, but those characters are not typically given any depth or weight to them. And I think Lady Bird is so great because all of the characters are well-rounded and you know a lot about each character even if it's just for a short time so I wonder if some reasons why men are reacting negatively to women relating is because it's highlighting a part in the male life where they are kind of annoying and have um, habits that they maybe are less than proud of because I definitely know that guy who only smokes hand-rolled cigarettes right. and is constantly right. reading The People's History of the United States. Yeah. And uh, but, it's, it's, yeah. but, it's, but it's not about him growing. Yeah. It's about a woman around growing him. And, like, around learning him. from him and him yeah. not learning. And so I, I wonder and, if, like, yeah. men are seeing themselves in that character. But they're not allowed yeah. to see their own growth. Yeah. Um, and that's something and that's that, that women have had yeah. to deal with for the entirety of film. Uh, like I didn't see myself because I always see myself as Greta Gerwig. Uh, and Greta Gerwig's not in the film, so I was just like, where do I go? It's she's all over the film. It's her it's her experience. She's the fucking best. Yeah. But I, I think it's genius. I can definitely see myself rewatching it anytime it comes on cable. Um, like I watch like Ten Things I Hate About You or something like that now. Um, I can see Oh you just made a friend for life. <laughs> Well, anytime that's on now, I'm just going to call you and be like, yeah. come over. Uh, tying it back to Heath Ledger from yeah. the very beginning. Yeah. Good God. Yeah. Here's where we cut yeah. out. Kelly, where can people follow you online? Um, on Twitter and Instagram, I am at Kansassy, which is K-A-N-S-A-S-S-Y. Um, I'm also on Facebook. That's just my name. Um, yeah. Any of your political organizations people should follow? Um, well, if you're in the Midwest, I would encourage you to follow Laura Kelly on Facebook um, or go to her website, laurakellyforkansas.com. Um, I work with a lot of great candidates across the country, um, and I don't want to name a specific right now and pick a favorite, but if you're not in the Midwest, you can hit me up on Twitter and I'll tell you who to vote for in your um, specific state. I love doing that. I can make you a personalized like guide to your ballot to tell you what to vote for on every single um, uh, measure and office. I've done that for many people. Oh, wow. Be prepared for a dozen. Happy to do it. Dozens. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. This is... Wait, I'm sorry. No, no. Uh, we didn't do our thing. Is there anything in pop culture or anything else that you would recommend? That, like, what are you into right now? Is there something that you can recommend? Um, well, in addition to Lady Bird, um, I have been watching The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon. Yes. We only watched the first okay, two episodes. Okay, I have two left. Yeah, I've been like 
months, like really um, going slow because I don't want to be done with it. It's so good. It's so good. It gives me the feelings. I'm a huge Gilmore Girls fan, so I was excited. Have you watched Bunheads? I have watched half of Bunheads. We fell in love with Bunheads. We love it so Okay, I started to watch it... like I guess it was probably either at the beginning of this year or the end of last year, and I just couldn't make it all the way through. I need to finish okay. it. Um, but I so it gives me like good feelings from Amy Sherman Palladino, but then it has like this fantasy of like what Mad Men would maybe be like if a woman had wrote it and they had just right. followed like Peggy's character. Um, right. It just makes I just love it, and um, I can't wait to watch the next season because she got picked yeah. up for two yes um, yes so that's exciting i'm so excited yeah. i love that what about you um i shit i had something else i have the worst memory but you brought it up actually right before we started recording um it is an old not an old book it's an old it's an older book in, in that it's not super current right now but i am uh reading the hate you give which is uh in the middle of being adapted into a movie and is i don't know maybe my favorite book that i've read this year um it's just it's a young adult book it's a young adult book about uh a young teenage girl who witnesses a police shooting um but it it, it's just, it's, um, I don't know. It's just so beautiful and funny and harrowing. And, uh, it's, it's about to be turned into a movie. So if you're the kind of person that likes to read the book first before a movie, I highly recommend investing in this book because do you know when the movie comes out? I don't know. Some, I feel like they just stopped shooting. Right. Right. Shooting. <laughs> Hollywood term. term. <laughs> Um, so it's not, it's not like in the next month or two, um, but, uh, The Hate You Give, and also I just started the audiobook of Artemis, which is also in the next year going to be turned into a movie. It's by the guy that wrote The Martian and directed by Lorda Miller, who did the Lego movie. No so, way. Yeah. I had no idea. They just jump ship on some other movie. Han Solo. They jump ship on Han Solo, and now they're doing Artemis. Uh, so Which, after seeing everyone shit on Star Wars, I'm glad that they jump ship. Do people shit on Star Wars? A lot of people have shit on Star Wars. It's been a hard week, especially because people are like, the movie started with a joke. No, Fuck them. No, a lot of assholes have shit on yeah. Star Wars. Uh, it is... Awesome. Okay, okay. Pop culture uh, recommendations. Go see fucking Star Wars. Yes. Um, because there is a discrepancy of like ninety five percent critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which there's a lot to be said about Rotten Tomatoes, but uh, whatever. We just like started a new episode. <laughs> no, but like ninety five percent critics rating versus fifty percent fan rating. Those fans. I get that there are a lot of actual legitimate problems that people had with the movie, but. That that, that rating is a, in large part due to uh, racist and misogynistic uh, bots and trolls. Um, anyway, uh, read the hate you give. Read Artemis and um, go see Star Wars. Go see Star Wars. Those are those are my references. And I've just got uh, watch marvelous Miss Maisel. That was mine. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. No. Brock was in the bathroom peeing. He was going to the bathroom. Fine, then younger. Yeah. Oh, I have. Yeah. Oh, we we just started watching younger because I love 
uh, Sutton Foster, and so we were talking about uh, Bunheads. I love everything Sutton Foster does. It, it feels like more Bunheads. It, it does. But with Hilary Duff in the background. But really, it's just because Sutton Foster is such a fucking presence that everything she does feels like a, sus- a Sutton Foster project. So She has one delivery of every line, and it's flawless. And it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Uh, no so do you watch it on watch, or okay. Yum. Watch but watch watch Bunheads. Watch and I, uh, I just younger, interviewed the and watch that uh, the the video the song that she did from um uh oh sh- oh shit sorry this is from Gilmore Girls uh, A Year in the Life no <laughs> I, I, I no? knew that that was the thing yeah. ah, no uh, the um, the performance that she did the, at the Tonys a few years ago where she did that quick change in the middle of it that's one of the best things I've ever seen in my entire life what is the song you've seen it like a million times because I make you watch it all the time I know just ignore all of this uh, oh I don't want to show off that's it that's, wow. That was an anticlimactic thing, but also if you haven't seen it, watch it and it will be climactic. Just erase all of that, Terrence. Terrence, keep all of that. This has no. been Missouri Loves Company. I'm Brock Wilbur. I'm Vivian Kane with all the boring rambling stories. I'm Kelly Jacobson. Thank you guys for listening. Please rate, review, tell your friends to listen. Thank Please you so much. Do. Bye. Bye.